Robin Lude is unsubbable is like written on your wall in your kitchen and said like live laugh love. That's just like Nobody's getting embarrassed by that, which is why Lude doesn't want to do it, right? He wants to just make somebody's day ruin. His sauce is a family recipe. Alright, this is a prego. This is your grandma's recipe that's handwritten on a card. That we are underway here at the Dummy Run Podcast, a Minnesota United leaning MLS podcast that may mention the USL from time to time. I'm Officer Kraken. He's Grant Hirschberger. Week one is underway. It all started like we knew it would. The Loons are 1 0. Just a really great start, right? Yeah, we are killing it right now. I'm, I'm riding high on this wave of emotions. Alex, how are you feeling? If only. If only we were 1 0. No, we're not. We're one in four. But we got the one, man. A first baby step. It came a lot later than we all thought it would. You know, last week we talked about the bandwagon having a little more room. Um, we didn't record after the loss in, in Colorado, but let me tell you, it it was it was getting creepy, creepy empty. You know, like too late to be on the bus. I know I had my hand on the on the pull cord to, to tell the bus driver to pull off and, and let me off at this stop. Um, but we got it. First win in the books. I would say you saying we're one and zero has major like when I'm coaching a really bad JV team and we're losing like ten to zero at half. You know, I entered the the, the halftime speech with like, all right, it's zero zero guys, it's zero zero. You know, let's just forget what happened in the first half. So we're gonna forget all of the um, Heath out sentiments that I, I tweeted. Although I think we do still need to have a conversation about Heath. Uh, Alex, you know, whenever you're ready for that. Um, but yeah, you know, Colorado was not our shining moment of glory. It was mostly just a horrifying nightmare that reoccurs every other um, every other weekend, you know? That's a much better way to put it. Uh, yeah, so we're recording this Thursday night, obviously. Um, you know, we're, we're going to get hopefully get this up and have it up, you know, for Friday. And then Saturday, there's already another match. So um, we're going to do kind of an abbreviated episode just to make sure we keep it moving. Uh, but I do want to talk about Colorado because we haven't had a chance yet. Obviously, we go to Colorado. Um, the first half, things look really good. You know, we have a, a great set piece goal, a, you know, a direct a direct shot from, from Reynoso. Um, some nice interplay with, with Lude and, and, and um, Dotson that leads to a second goal. The second half, though, I think is what we really should spend our time talking about because all of the worst fears of what Heath may be kind of came to light in that moment. Um, and it led to just a complete meltdown that started with a sub of... Coleman for Reynoso um, and ended with tears and disappointment. And I think that there's been a lot made of the 4-0 start being connected to the Heath out movement. Um, for me, it's not about 4-0 or 0-4 rather, obviously. It's about the way that he handled his in-game decisions in that game and how the second half unraveled on us because of that. And that's a fear that you and I have had, and this was probably the most obvious representation of it. Yeah, I thought, um, if you listen to Sound of the Loon, Steve McPherson had a really good point of a lot of the people, a, a lot, not all, but a lot of the people who were saying Heath out after the first game, second game, third game, fourth game, were the same people who have been saying it for the past four years. And so it, it rings pretty hollow, right? Um, 
those of you, and I, I, myself included, who said it after the fourth game, like, I am still upset with Heath, and we will address that in a second. Um, if it's a current thing for you, if you have changed your stance or you feel like he is in the hot seat, I respect that. If you're somebody from day one who believed that he should be out uh, or after we had an atrocious first year when the team was actually bad, you know, I just don't see a lot of justification in that personally. Um, that being said, yeah, I mean, we saw a baffling line of substitutions. Alex, did you have a specific one for the Colorado game that was like, what's going on? What are you doing? Well, it was it was definitely Coleman. I mean, I think there's a lot made of the, the Coleman for Reynoso, um, which obviously was just kind of a, a you know, uh, just the one that probably Reynoso was the one that was ready to come off. But just putting Coleman in, I kind of thought we were done with that. I thought we had we had made our decision there, um, and especially bringing on, you know, yeah, basically, you know, whatever, another center back isn't something we really do often. And it was just so like it was just such a scared way to play the game. And then when it fails, which of course it failed, now you've kind of hamstrung yourself with like now you've got this you know third center back on, and like now we're scrambling to try and get you know someone else out there to make to make better decisions and, and make some type of attacking you know force and we're just behind the eight ball because we made this like knee-jerk reaction way back in the whatever it was 65th minute yeah it was not proactive subbing by any means and and i understand the justification from the lines of like he was saying colorado was getting a lot of balls in the box you want to get a tall person in there for sure for sure there's 10 other people on the field that you could have subbed out. I don't know if Reynoso would be the first sub I would have made. Um, Especially if you're trying to continue to put pressure on Colorado. So I think the whole thing, right, like, you know, Reynoso for Coleman, and then um, they had uh, Yuka Raitala out for Ramo and Abila, and then Robin Lude out for Juan Aguadello. I, I get he's trying to get kind of that high press. Uh, it was right after the goal, but uh, it all just seemed like there was no plan. He seemed incredibly surprised by the fact that high altitude would make his players tire quicker. And and it's moments like that where I'm not necessarily full Heath out, but that's disappointing that, that the coach wouldn't realize, hey, our players are going to get tired. We need to have a plan for... You know, if we're going to do this high press, what do we do, you know, when it's late in the game? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you and I have talked about before, um, you know, we're, we both come from Wisconsin. We grew up in the, the Mike McCarthy Packers coach. I know when I say Packers, a lot of you probably tuned out, but uh, just g- give me a second here. Mike McCarthy coached the Packers for, what, 10, 20 years? Oh, a long time. A long time. And it felt like most of my adult life. Right. And the, it, the biggest issue with him was they were always very good, which made it very easy for people to say, like, well, Mike McCarthy is a good coach. Like, we're always top of the NFC, whatever they are. And, you know, we're, we make it to the playoffs and, you know, we're right there. We're, we're going to take that next step. And they actually, they finally did. They did win a Super Bowl with him. But eventually what everyone came to understand is they're only getting to a certain point with him. And more often than not, they're going to lose in the big moments. And that's my worry with Heath. I'm definitely not there yet. Um, you know, we, after the game, we put up a poll about how everyone's feeling about Heath. And the options were not concerned, it's becoming concerned, he's on his last chance, or Heath out. Out of 104 votes, 
37% said he's on his last chance, and 36% said Heath out. For me, I'm on he's on his last chance. And again, it doesn't have to do so much with the, the four losses to open the season. It has to do with seeing the way that he handled that in-game, those in-game decisions that led to us losing the same way we lost in Seattle both times, uh, both this last year and the year before that when we should have won to move up into second and we didn't. We dropped down to fifth and then lost to um, fourth and then lost to the Galaxy. The way we lost in Atlanta, the way we lost all these big games we get out coached the second half. And that's what's concerning to me. The second question we asked was, what does Heath have to do this year to make you feel good about going into next season with him? And most people said, 39% out of 87 votes said, make the MLS final. And for me, I think that probably is a good a good number. But realistically, I just need to see either he's going to be able to change and get better in-game tactics, or he's going to listen to someone else who has better ideas of what to do. Because this isn't gonna, this is only ever gonna get us so far. I agree a hundred percent. My my um, vote on that poll was win the MLS Cup final, because in order to do that, it would require him to go up against a coach who will inevitably have second half adjustments, and he will have to also respond. Um, that would be probably the only thing that would make me feel very comfortable. I'm currently at the all right, Heath, you have to prove it stage where I've given him plenty of time. I've, you know, with the roster we had in 2017, the people who say that he, you know, was a bad coach in 2017, you can't, you can't tell who's a good driver when the car they're driving has two wheels missing and no engine, (laughs) right? Like you can't tell who's a good driver or a bad driver. That's a terrible, you know, way to judge that 2017 team was atrocious. Um, And for the people who are really upset with our start right now, the people who are feeling gloom and doom, I understand I'm feeling that as well. I also would would offer this thought exercise, right? Most teams, because they say, you know, no team in the regular, you know, non-COVID season has started 4-0 and made the playoffs, or 0-4. We keep saying it the same way, 0-4. I would also offer this. We are not an 0-4 team. Right, like we are a team that, sure, we probably deserve to lose against the Sounders, but it wasn't a 4-0 loss, really. And then every other loss after that was not indicative of the quality. That's why we're so frustrated. So if you think about this team, the teams that start 0-4 are because they're really, really bad. We're just going through a bad stretch early in the season where we have people who are injured, we have people who are missing, we have people not performing, you know, quite as we are hoping them to perform, you know, looking at you, Chase Gasper. So we're not an 0-4 team. We're better than that. We're just going through a rough patch. It's a bad form. And that doesn't mean, you know, just like a player, it doesn't mean you're a bad player. You're in a bad stretch. Can we get out of it? That'll depend on Heath. Right. Yeah. You know, they keep saying, yeah, no one's ever gone 0-4 and made the playoffs. And I would say, oh, I believe it because I bet no one's ever been this good and gone 0-4. I mean, I can't think of a, a bigger, like, letdown, you know, in history. Well, not, okay, that's dramatic. But, yes, like this, we're not like a team that's, like, struggling. We're not like, you know, no offense, like Chicago is just bad right now. And they just look it's bad. It's the fact that we're bad. surprised. Right. Everyone, including, you know, MLSsoccer.com, is surprised that we're 0-4 is the point. Right? Mm-hmm. Like... FC Cincinnati goes 0-4 and everyone goes, yeah, 
uh, yeah, we figured, you know, that was going to happen. Um, everyone is shocked that we are doing this poorly, and that's the point, is that this is a talented team. Heath has to continue to adjust better, but we will do better. I, mm-hmm. I'm very confident of that. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that I just wanted to make sure that we, I don't, you know, obviously you and I aren't, you know, leading the Heath out train or anything, um, but I think there's been a lot of talk going around around whether or not Heath is the right coach being connected just to the losses, and I think that there should be more of an argument around kind of that those in-game tactics and his 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 um, hesitation to play new people. Um, I did hear uh, apparently. DJ Taylor was getting set to come in in Colorado and then some last minute change took him off um, but he's one that I think has, has been glaring as to how we've not seen him I mean I don't know maybe he doesn't look that good in training but when you look at some of the different moves we've made and, and the way that people like Chase have been playing it's like come on he, there's no way he's that bad you know and, and if so why do we get him because we obviously don't have any depth on right back for sure and if he's listed as also being able to play left back you would think he'd be half decent there as well. Um, so yeah, that was obviously very disappointing. We came away with that feeling, you know, uh, on all time low, not just because we're 0 4, but just the way that one fell apart. Um, anything else on Colorado that you feel like we should we should discuss? You know, do you do you blame Dane St. Clair for any of those? Obviously, the, the second one um, was probably his fault. Uh, you know, he I think he would admit that, or it was definitely his fault. Um, but that was probably the first mistake he's made. You know, since starting from Minnesota. I'm really disappointed that you didn't make an all-time low punk rock band reference when you said that, but that's fine, Alex. Uh, we can't all hold ourselves to high pun standards. I'll do better. I'll work to do better in the future. I'll work on my in-game, uh, my, my in-podcast references. If I was you, you know, and I'm saying it's an all-time low, I'd say maybe it's not our weekend, you know, maybe it's not our year, but... If you get it, you get it. Anyways, um, yeah, no, I, Dane did not, he didn't have a huge hand, I think, in really any of the goals in the last four games. Um, I think realistically, if I'm being even harsh, you know, out of the, what, 10 goals we've been scored on in the first four games, um, I would say maybe two to three of them have been his fault, like they should have been saved maybe. The rest have been like wide open nets with Rui Diaz just slotting it in after Dane St. Clair has been pulled all the way to one side of the, the goal. Um, so yeah, I, it's not Dane's fault. I also understand that sometimes you have to give goalies a break. Like I think the Tyler Miller decision, and hindsight's twenty twenty, but I thought it was a solid choice on Wednesday. Call me out, Alex, if, if I'm lying, but... I thought it was a solid choice. You know, you got to give your goalie a break. Let Dane kind of recoup, get his head right. It doesn't mean Dane has lost his job for the rest of his career at Minnesota United. It just means we don't want you to get shelled anymore. Let's just let you reset. You know, did you think initially, did you think it was the right move? Um, I, it, I did not have any issue with the change. I think that you see this with teams that have two good keepers. Um, you know, Portland comes to mind. I think you see it. You see a, a mixture of Steve Clark and and Jeff Antonella, uh, who are actually both are hurt right now, so you don't see either of those. Um, and I think that that's not that doesn't necessarily have to mean something. It just means that, you know, whatever. It's a midweek game, or they want to just have you know Jeff have a go, or um, whatever. That stuff happens. I I am concerned because Dane St. Clair had probably his worst game on Saturday. 
So then whether or not it had anything to do with that performance, when you put someone else in there, I just worry it's going to get, you know, that little worm is going to get into his head. Um, and it's going to, it's going to have a bigger impact on him. Um, so almost if anything, after a bad game from Dane St. Clair, I would have changed my opinion on starting Miller. Um, in the end, I, th- I thought Miller did okay. Um, I wasn't quite as high on him as I think a lot of people were. I think his distribution was problematic. Um, he had a couple really good saves, obviously. Um, but he had also one where he missed it. And I think it actually bounced off the ground and then up and over the net. Um, so I don't think he had like a, a commanding performance, uh, but he played well um, and definitely, I mean, we won. So, you know, at, at some point you got to give that to him. So um, I don't have any issue with the change. I still think I see Dane Sinclair as our starting goalkeeper, though. So follow up question, Alex, why do you hate Tyler Miller? <laughs> exactly. That's a, that's the logical next step. No, um, I, I, I hear what you're saying exactly. I think part of it, like his distribution isn't necessarily accurate, but part of it is just that he's got a boot, like his distribution is far and away farther than Dane's, which to some degree, it's like, just get it away from the goal, yeah. right? Um, I thought he had a pretty solid game. Um, it's good. It's a good situation for us to have two quality keepers because who knows, maybe we trade one of them or sell one of them to get a center back or left back eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, I have been an eternal Chase Gasper defender because I do believe he's a quality defender. I personally believe Heath is using him in too many roles that don't fit him. Heath wants both of his fullbacks to be Metanier, and only one of his fullbacks is Metanier. The other one is Pedro. And Chase Gasper has a lot of talent and a lot of abilities, but he cannot be met near. It is actually incredible the uh, amount of responsibility we ask met near to have on the attacking portion of the field, on the defending portion of the field, and he does it. Like he is such an intelligent and hardworking player. And not to say that Chase necessarily isn't, he just can't do what Metanier can do. I mean, that it's just, it's it's crazy that we ask the same thing. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think you see how much his confidence is shaken. You know, he started off right away. It was like the seventh minute with that back pass to Miller, and it was garbage, right? It, it, was, it was not the right move. It was not the right thing to do. And if you watch the replay like I was this morning, he almost, he puts his arms out like, why did I just do that? He can't even believe it himself. And there's something to be said about a player whose confidence is shaken. I thought he steadied himself over the second half of the game. But uh, Alex, what what stood out to you about Chase Gasper's game against Vancouver? Right. Yeah, I, I, I talked about this on the post loons. Um, show and I struggled to find the right word and I I think I ended up kind of saying it wrong. He is a, he is like a microcosm of what's going on with the team. All the issues that the team as a whole are having having are also happening like just inside of him. Where it was a rocky start and now he kind of doesn't even know which way is up. And something that should be a very simple thing, he overthinks to the point where he just completely crumbles. And whether that's the bad back pass or then. Um, you know, a couple later on in the game, there was a, a time where he just he needed to, to clear it and get it out, which was definitely he he did that. 
but he just passed it over the end line. I mean, he didn't even try and turn and get it either out to the flag or off a, off a defender and out. Um, and that's someone who is just like, they've gone down to just their core operating procedure to like not make any more mistakes. Um, which if anything, sure, at least that's better than, than what we were having before. But yeah, he's a guy. I mean, he is, again, he's a microcosm of what's going on with the team and he needs to start getting his confidence back um, because right now he's just a mess. And by the end, he was doing better. Um, but I agree with you, he's being asked to do a lot and with, especially without Baki Debasi there to cover up for the, some of those mistakes, um, it it's it's not a pretty sight. And again, I think it's time to see if there's anyone else who can, even if it's just a break for Chase, just just give him a beat because it's bad right now. I mean, it's bad enough that every time he gets the ball, you're just like, oh God, like what's next? And usually it is something bad. I would say every time he gets the ball in the middle third or the final third on our like on the offensive half, I'm like, okay, it's fine. When he has possession of the ball in the defending third, I'm very nervous. Um, if he's defending in the defending third, that's fine. It, I'm not super concerned because I do believe he's a good defender. When mm-hmm. he's in position, right? That's what the the Chase Gasper haters. Incorporated uh, would say about him is he's just garbage, whatever. But they forget that like when he is in position and he's not asked to be all the way in the corner flag, he's a very good defender. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we got to make things simple for him, and and just like we're doing with Dane, sometimes you just got to give the guy a night off, like not in a way like you're the worst player ever, we hate you, whatever. Just take a break, you know, get your mind clear, reset. You know, in football, in American football, they talk about, you know, cornerbacks who are defensive players have to have just like a goldfish memory where you just, you forget it. Forget the last play, you move on. I think Chase is remembering every mistake he just made and he it's just building uh, incrementally. No, exponentially. That's mm. what I wanted to say. Are you a Ted, do you watch Ted Lasso? Who's that? Do you watch Ted Lasso, the show? Never heard of it. Oh, Okay. You've never heard of Ted Lasso? I'm just kidding. Okay. Yeah, I watched it. Because <laughs> you totally, I mean, he talks about being a goldfish in that show. So there's no reason for you to make your American football reference. But that's two now this show. So we're no more American football references. All right, fair. That's deal. That's deal. Uh, yeah, I think, yeah, I think you're right. And, and yeah, I mean, Chase does well defending when he's, in, when he's in position. And in the offensive third, he has a good, he has a good IQ for the game. And he finds himself in good positions. Um, it's just his last ball is trash. Um, but yeah, he had another rough one. Um, on the flip side, I thought Raitula did a lot better this match. I mean, he is someone who has gotten ex- you know better and better every single game, um, which has been really great to see because his first time out, I think, was, was a little rough. Um, and, and it's been good to see him get better as we go because um, I think he's really the only one I can think of who's really improved game over game. Yeah, I would say Raitula has really impressed me with um, just the amount of slack he's picked up. I also think Vancouver is a much, much better team than I gave them credit for initially. I, I'm really impressed with their quality. And uh, Cavallini, I kept calling him Cavatappi in his head, in my head, because <laughs> I think it's pasta. Uh, but Lucas Cavallini is just a menace the whole mm-hmm. game. I mean, he's a nightmare to, when he's not on your team. I, I'm happy for Vancouver fans, because I'm sure he's probably very fun if you're uh, a fan of his. But 
Raitala, uh really has gotten better game after game, and, and it's really cool to watch. I also think we have to give credit where credit is due. Michael Boxall has been a superman the last three games. I mean, mm-hmm. he has gone above and beyond what should be expected of a single center back. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I, I, yeah, I mean, I think even the whole season. That's, I mean, that's why I don't really think of him as someone as getting better game to game because I think he has been um, very solid from the beginning. And anything that you could say was maybe his fault, I think, is is more so just someone else kind of lay, hanging him out to dry. You know, he if <laughs> if we didn't have him back there, I don't know where we'd be at right now. I mean, not not a good situation. I suppose you can't get much worse than zero one four, but uh, it would be. I think it would be worse. He has been. What's exciting. What's exciting for me, right? Like, I'm an eternal optimist. What's exciting for me is to think about if we can give Chase a break and get Debassi back healthy, if we can have Boxall and Raitala at center back and then Debassi at left back and Metinier at right back, that is a really, really strong defensive line. Yeah, that's really interesting. I hadn't stopped to think about the fact you could just put Debassi out wide. Um yeah, I, and it'll be interesting to see. We don't know where Debassi is in terms of his health. Um, obviously, he keeps being listed as you know not active. Um, but if that is because he's still injured, we're obviously a ways away. Because even if he gets healthy tomorrow, I mean, the dude hasn't played a soccer match in, whatever, two months. So, uh, But if he is training and is getting close to being match fit... Um, then there, I could see a situation where all of a sudden he is, you know, active and ready to actually come in and play, um, which I I think we hear he's training some, um, but it'll be interesting to see what happens there because he will be a huge boost for this team. Speaking of match fitness, it is really cool to continue to see Ramon Abila getting healthier and healthier. Alex, we got to see what did he come on for about twenty minutes, just about. Uh, what what did you know? Oh, it was, 25. Came on the 65th minute for Jan Gregush. What do you think of his performance for those 25 minutes? I thought not only was I super excited to see him come on when he did, <clears throat> I thought the sub for Jan Gregush was a really good one to take off. Um, when I was uh, So early on in the match, it was very obvious that he was what we needed. When you have... Lude and 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 Gregush playing, um, you know, you know, sorry, not Lude and Gregush, Lude and Dotson playing up top, um, with with Lude in the false nine. I think Dotson was just kind of pressing, given the fact that that Ray wants to run around, you know, outside the eighteen a little more. You saw a lot of chances coming down, and you saw both Lude and Dotson kind of doing the same thing, either like pressing the back defender or like kind of trying to float around. Um, but neither of them are true number nines and neither of them have that like feel for inside the six or inside the 18 where you just drift a little bit off the shoulder and and find yourself in that open space. And every time, you know, you see a good number nine, when we had Amaria in, you saw him do that, where as soon as the defender looked back, he would float off his shoulder. And then when the cross came in, he was there. So as we're I'm watching- that, I'm convinced that Lude doesn't like to float off defenders' shoulders because he's only pleased if he can nutmeg them. Right. Um, I believe that, I'm half joking, almost half serious, I think he literally gets energy out of dribbling past somebody or around somebody because, I don't know if you guys know this, but in 2020, he actually was tied for, I believe it was first or second, um, 
for most nutmegs in Major League Soccer. And this year, he already has two. Uh, one of them being that, like, behind the back. Like, it was a backwards nutmeg between the guy's legs, and then he got around him for a shot. He enjoys stealing people's souls. I believe that. Right. A header in, is it means nothing to him. It's like, okay, well, that was great, but what? That was There was no there's no embarrassment. There's no joy of, of me running past the person. This for is, such this a is mild-mannered not. human, he just wants to humiliate people. It's always the ones elites expect. Uh, but no, I mean, there was even a cross early on in the match um, where the defender did well to kind of body him off of it, but it was obvious that like, that's not what Lude is set up to do. Uh, a true number nine, I think, goes barreling in there, you know, legs over his head, like just whatever, and it goes into the net. So early think on like the Patrick match, Weah with that header. Exactly. But seriously, though, like exactly. that's the kind of thing, that, yep. that courage, that diving, right? Like... Nobody's getting embarrassed by that, which is why Lou doesn't want to do it, right? He wants to just make somebody's day ruined. Yes, yes. He's, like, circling back because he wants to beat the guy again. Um, He's Cobra Kai sweeping the leg every time, every time. <laughs> sure. So early on in the match, I had this feeling, like, if we can get to the 60th minute, I feel really good about our odds because I think Abila will find a spot. And I was talking with David Vinji about this. You can ask him. It's in writing. And when 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 Abila came in, I think it was exactly. I'm gonna jump what in we we really hoped. quick. Hold on, because Alex, we agree on so many things, but what in this team's recent history has indicated that we do well from the 60th minute on? Well, we just are 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 just a luck with number nines. I mean, we never miss on one of those. You know, obviously Abila's going to be a home run because that's all we do with number nines. Our so. long-standing number nine history. Yes, yep. we kill it. We, we have just been, a, yeah. Just a farm for number nines, and then we sell them to Europe. Uh, no, I just, I just, I believe in Abila, and I believe in what he can do, and I think that this game was ready for him, and sure enough, very early on in his time on the field, he started to find those spaces the way that others hadn't, and his goal was exactly that, where as soon as Robin Lude approaches the ball, he makes that run towards the back post, almost in step with Robin Lude's step to the ball. I mean, they're just like perfectly in sync. So by the time the ball is in the air, he's already halfway to the spot. Um, and even his run kind of splits the difference. So if Robin Lude had gone front post, I think he even would have gotten there. And that is, of course, what that game needed. And it went in. Um, really excited to see him. He <laughs> definitely has some fitness, I think, that he needs to work on. There was a time later in the match where he tried to like beat someone, and it was just like... That, that's not it, man. Why don't you just keep keep uh, trying to head balls in? But um, I'm excited to see what he'll bring. I like Ramon Abula a lot. He also kind of reminds me of what I imagine Jordan Morris would run like when he's 65. That's, that's kind of how he runs, is that, like, wide-armed Jordan Morris, Erling Holland. he's a bulldozer, and then put that in a slow motion. Like, that's, that's Abula. But... He looked healthier, though. He looked, he genuinely did look like he was more mobile. He was making good runs. I mean, and, and the fact that, like, he probably had, what, like, five or six total shots or total touches, and three of them were incredibly good chances that any one of those three, one of them was a goal, but any of the other two of those three. Oh, I muted myself. Could have been goals. That's what I meant to say. Yeah. No, and that's what he brings. I mean, it really it really is I mean, I, not to be 
hard on the guy, and not really even because of his age. I just don't think he's ever going to be the fast guy. It really is like playing with like an you know an ex player or like a who who they don't have the speed anymore. But when they get the ball, all those technical skills are still there. Um, and I think I think we're going to see really good things of him. I don't think, and you and I have talked about this, Grant. I feel like there's a lot of connections between like, oh, he's playing well. I wonder if this means he'll start. Yeah, I don't. I don't think he needs to start, and I don't think that's an insult to him. Like, I, I believe he, in this last game, has demonstrated exactly how we would like him to benefit our team. I think that if Ramon Abila can come in, and I, I think Sound of the Loons even mentioned this as well, but if he can come on, you know, 65th, 70th minute, get 20 minutes a game, and put on a performance like he has, that's using him to his best abilities. And I think that will end up in us getting, I could see, you know, anywhere from eight to 10 goals, realistically. If you think about him coming on for Unu as a super sub, that's where things get super saucy. Like that's incredible excitement for me. And I'm an eternal optimist, but like, Seeing him in those last 25 minutes, that's where he's best used. And it's not an insult to him to be in the starting 11. It's more like you're 31 and you're coming off an injury and you're still trying to get match fit and we want to keep you uh, doing the best quality work through this season. So how do we manage you the correct way? And I think, I mean, he had what? I, I don't have the stats in front of me, but like three or four shots on goal or near goal. I know he's kind of skied one, but that was a difficult shot. He's going to get a few goals for us. I'm pretty pumped. Yeah, there's a thing There's a thing um, in in the American workforce, uh, maybe a lot of places, that, that drives me nuts, um, and that is that people, you are promoted to your own level of incompetence. Um, if you do good as an employee, you get promoted to a manager or you know whatever you do good as a as, as a task completer you get promoted to a task delegator and then up and up and eventually you get to a point where you're not good at that job anymore and then you don't go any further but you're not good at that job you get the last job and i think that because of the way that we're set we're not we're not getting into that but i think that that's something that also is what we're saying here is like oh he did so good in the last 20 we should put him on for 60 and it's like well no that's not what he's good at he's good at the 20 don't like put him out of his comfort zone because you want to see more of that, you're seeing what he's best at, and just let that be that, and fill in the other pieces around him. Um, and I think that that's what we need to do. Early on in the season, you and I were talking about goal expectations for him, and we both said, I think I said a goal every basically 180 minutes, right? A goal every other match. Um, and really, right now, we're about there. He played 25 minutes in Seattle, 58 against Austin, only seven in Colorado and 25 last night. So like, it's pretty close to about, you know, about that mark. And I think that if we can keep doing that, and especially once Unu and those players are in, I think that that is really going to be where he is most effective for us. I think that's a, a really good point. And I also think it's worth noting, you know, the other pieces, what they bring to the table is significant. Because if you think about a game where we have Franco Fragapane, you know, who's a very, very fast guy running full speed at defenders. You've got Adrian Unu, who's going to be a very good high press guy, a little bit not super speedy, but a little bit speedier and, and, and probably provide a lot of goal scoring 
uh, danger for the team. Then when, you know, Ramon Avila comes on, he's going to face much more exhausted legs. Like, we had good opportunities even without those two guys. You know, uh, the the Robin Lude pass into Reynoso, you know, when he brought it down to the edge of the line and kind of turned his hips and kicked it back into the box. I mean, that should have been a goal. That was so close. And and we had that without even a real striker. So uh, I'm, I'm very... Um, optimistic as mm-hmm. always about what he can bring to the table when he's used correctly like you totally nailed it with that uh, it, it's the the you know highest level of incompetence or whatever that you can reach he is gonna do a great job for us the last 25 of most games and that's yeah. all we need from him I mean what was his what was his worst match it was Austin right everyone said Abila's trash what he's doing out there he's got to try harder that was the one he played the first 60. That's not what he's supposed to do. That's not his role. In the, in, you know, so I, I just added up. He's played 115 minutes so far, and he got his first goal. And he's been both by far the most dynamic in the first game against Seattle and this last game against Vancouver when we put him in in that 60-minute mark. I think that's the sweet spot for him. I, I do not like when Heath puts people on in the 83rd minute. You know, like, if you need somebody to offensively contribute, 80th minute and on does not give them enough opportunity to to build into the game. You know, you have to do it earlier. It has to be 65. It has to be 70. 75 at the latest, if you're really asking me. Um, But, yeah, no, I think that that 20 minutes or so really, really, really hits where we we want him to go. And, you know, I want to give a shout-out to – it was really – um, you know, I, I don't want to say cool. That's probably lack of lack of a better word. But um, he gave that shout out to his brother Gaston. Did you see that? Yep. Yep. Um, you know, so Mental Health Month. I didn't even know that he had a brother who had um, taken his own life. Which I really hope MLS takes back the yellow card because I guess he did get carded. Um, pretty crappy to card somebody for that, but. Big respect to him. It sounds like he's made that kind of one of his causes that he wants to talk yeah. about. And, uh, you know, really hope that he continues to just keep sharing that story and sharing his experience about with his brother. Yeah, it sounded like maybe the ref didn't know what was going on. I thought I saw a tweet that someone said it looked like after the game that the ref and Abila were talking. And it looked as though the ref said, like, oh, sorry, I didn't know or something like that. Um, I don't think I don't think MLS will take the card back just because, like, beyond just like a nice story there's not really any like legal precedence for that or whatever um but it is yeah it's a very cool thing that he's doing and i hope that people out there don't just take mental health month and mls matches and what abila is doing as just words and they actually put that into practice and, and think about them their own selves and their own mental health and um take action if they're not um, if they're if they fake, they they need to, to speak to someone because that's definitely the hardest thing to do when you're in that time. Um, and that's why people do stuff like this is because um, you have people in your life who are willing to help. You just gotta start the conversation with them. Uh, yeah, I think being open and and sharing with people and finding people who you can connect with and and you know we all have things that we're we're going through, right? It's easy to forget to forget that sometimes. So. Um, credit to him and credit to people who, who struggle 
um, you know, with, with mental health situations, you know, I, I think we all have little things that we have to go through and it's so easy to forget that and just be like, oh, this guy's, you know, X, Y, Z, he's this way, he's that way, she's mm-hmm. this way, she's that way. So um, credit to him and, and cool to see him champion that. Uh, I really hope he continues it. And I'm sure at some point, you know, it, I, did you know what his Bell Bank Man of the Match donation was? Because I'm sure it probably was something to that effect. Yeah, right? I don't know what it was. Um, I, I would have to assume so, though. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, there really is no uh, nice segue off of that. So I'm just going to do a hard transition. Uh, we didn't see any of the young guys this match. I, I'm a little disappointed. You know, I think that we've had we've we've had a lot of these conversations, and I think I'm towing a very fine line um, that even I get myself confused on sometimes. I do want to see them. I want, especially McMaster, and I think if if the if the moment's right, I like to see Waya out there. In this match, though, I don't know where you would have put them or when. You weren't going to take Dotson off. I mean, he had a hell of a game, and and even towards the very end, both him and Lude both looked like they were up for it. So at that point, you feel like you're almost just doing it to do it. I mean, I would put Weya in at striker and McMaster in at left wing, but not because of the people at those spots, just because those are their best positions. But that's just me being a smartass. Um, okay, I was, no, okay. I think, okay. yeah, no, I'm just saying that's their positions. That's all. That's all I was commenting. I think, um, you know, so one of the things I champion is that Robin Lude is pretty much unsubbable to some degree because... The majority, the vast majority of his goals, you're laughing, but I'm right. No, the I vast majority. I think that Robin Lude is unsubbable is like written on your wall, like you know, in your kitchen instead of like live, laugh, love. That's just like what you have. I, I just picture that. Um, it's actually but- a tramp stamp on my back. <laughs> but um, yes, I have Robin Lude is unsubbable as a tramp stamp, and I'm not ashamed to say that. It's a good. It's a good, it's a good tattoo. Anyways, I will never regret it. That's not the point. The reason I say that, no, is because the the vast majority of his goals come in the last 10 minutes of the first half or second half. So it's it, the reason is, is because he's not the fastest guy, but he continues to make those near post, far post, you know, open space runs, and he will... Uh, put him in put himself into positions that really get him in good goal scoring mm-hmm. opportunities. So yeah, no, he's not unsubbable. Yeah, I know that was a little dramatic of me to say, but you know what isn't dramatic of the things that I say. Um, but but he is a tough person to pull off the field because he's the guy that will continue to give everything he's got to get into those spots. So yeah, I wouldn't have pulled off Robin for uh, McMaster necessarily. I think the only guy I might have wanted to see um, was Nobby, potentially. Is he um, cleared it from concussions? Oh, that's right. Okay, I keep forgetting that. So that's on me. So no, he's not. He was still on the concussion protocol. Um, but then otherwise, DJ Taylor. I, I just, yep. I really think at some point we got to see this guy, right? He cannot possibly be that bad. And unless I'm mistaken, wasn't he like USL Defensive Player of the Year? Yeah, I mean, there's like a couple some times, really, I think, yeah. for a very good team. Right. I think that he, he is definitely one I want to see. Um, I'm excited for, to see Nabi. Um, I think he's still on his concussion. Um, and I wouldn't have taken Ozzy off for Nabi. Um, so maybe if we're saying Will Trap, but again, I think Will Trap is probably playing a different position. Um, I've been really happy to see Ozzy play more. You know, the, the dude's never missed a playoff in his, in his 
major league career, I don't believe. I think he made all of them with Seattle, and we've made all of them since he came here. So if there's anyone who's going to pull this team around, and almost you got to give him the chance to do it because this could be his last year, and to miss it on his last year would just be brutal. So for me, I'm all in on having Ozzy play out there um, as long as as long and as as long as he can go, or as long as he wants to go. Um, I'm all for it. I think it's just load management. You got to make sure that you're using him in the right scenarios. Right now, we are a hundred percent in win now mode because we have to win. We have to get seven points out of the next. Yep. yep. Uh, out of these three games, so we've got three out of seven. We need to tie one and win one at least or we're in a really really bad spot um so i don't know if we will see him against dallas our next game after that is next saturday so we at least have a full week i would anticipate that we probably rest him since we played ozzy uh, against colorado and against vancouver which is fine by me i think people need to acknowledge that Will Trapp was never meant to be a like-for-like replacement of Ozzy. Never. He was never supposed to be exactly Ozzy. And I think when people hear, oh, Will Trapp's a six, people go, oh, and he's going to come replace Ozzy, so he's going to be Ozzy. No, he's a different kind of defensive midfielder. And that's okay. I think Will Trapp has done actually a pretty good job. I think um, it's just a different role that he plays. And that's okay. So... We'll see what the lineup looks like um, on Saturday. Yeah. Well, and it's 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 actually even better than that. I think that <clears throat> because after Dallas, we have a bye week. So we play this weekend, and then we don't play at all again to the 29th, which is a full two weeks. And then we have one more match, and then we go on international duty. So if we can just get through this match, we have a lot of downtime coming. And so I think that whatever we need to do to get these three points at home against Dallas, and then again, we get that off week and go into um, going to Austin um, the last weekend of the month, the 29th. Um, and then we have a couple more weeks off and then we play, you know, after the others have the break. So for me, this next match is the, the, the biggest moment for us, maybe this season, other than maybe last night, because that was when we just needed to win. Because if we can get through this and are sitting on six points, with a week off, we can hopefully get some pieces in. I'm still not convinced when Unu is going to come in. Um, it sounded like maybe this week sometime. So if we can do that, then with the week quarantine, he would be ready for Austin. Um, and it sounds like for Austin, we might be missing Lude, Raitala, and Gash, Gash, uh, no, wow, Gregush. So that's going to be tough, but... I think that we can still win without them. So this week, I think, is really important, and we have to get three points because I think we have to at least then have seven points on these last three going into the break. Yeah, I don't know if you noticed, but uh, on Instagram, Adrian Unu posted the the Loons victory. So he is watching the results. I can't imagine he's super thrilled. You know, maybe he's motivated. Maybe he's motivated to help us win. I sure hope so. But, uh, yeah, I mean, FC Dallas is incredibly important. Uh, It's a very big game that we need to win. I'm looking at Real Salt Lake, um, mostly from the standpoint of, like, I'm already sick of the David Ochoa storylines, but they've become a villain for our team, and I would really like to shove it down their throats. I would like to just give them a wedgie, pull it over their forehead, 
uh, and push him into a locker. <laughs> yes. Okay. Sorry, I had that way wrong. I, I so we played Dallas this weekend, and then we have the off week, and we play Real Salt Lake. Austin isn't until um, later. Yeah, Salt Lake. I wasn't going to correct you because I, I didn't want to undermine your authority, but no, it's important to get this stuff right. Uh, yeah, RSL. I think that they've. I think their moment in the sun is already done. Honestly, um, I think they're going to come tumbling down the table, um, which I, along with a couple people. I, again, I think that's why I'm not overly concerned with the four and O oh, and four start. Because um, if you look at who's around us right now, it's directly above us is Portland and LAFC on the very bottom of the table. Say what you want to about the parody in MLS, but like, it's not going to go that way. Um, and as I think that we can ride a wave up along with some of those other teams, and as as people like RSL, um, I, I think that San Jose is playing above their above their kind of where they where they were even out to. Um, and so I think that those people are going to come down a bit, and I think that we can ride a wave up. Um, and I really do think we'll still be fine. I mean, losing four matches is obviously not great. I mean, I think that. In 2019, we lost 10, I want to say. And then last year, we lost six in kind of a strange year. So um, we're already, you know, basically halfway there. So we definitely did have a historic turnaround. But like we said, there's no reason to think we can't do that with the talent we have. I think if people get healthy and the pieces we need in get in and we can manage the results uh, until those pieces get in, those people get healthy. Like, I think coming out of the international break will be big for us. If we're healthy, we've got the players in, um, I really do think we can achieve the uh, points per game that we need to, to reach. I also really just want to be Real Salt Lake because there's some random dude on Twitter that's like BYU Cougar who keeps responding to every Minnesota United thing with, like, the same... Charmin ultra soft Minnesota United meme and it, it's just it's not even I, I it's not even directed at me and I'm just upset I'm just mad I'm really mad Alex don't feed the trolls man I, I, I don't know I don't know how else to say it I can't help myself yeah. I really can't uh, we do however speaking of trolls just kidding love you guys <laughs> we have uh, listener questions Alex uh, the first one is so we had asked you know what do you want to hear us talk about uh nicholas bisbee asked we'd like or he, he, he wanted us to talk about how much of a legend boxy is which i think we addressed right he has played at an incredibly consistent and high level rate for us at center back agree disagree thoughts agreed yeah he celebrated his 100 100th match recently um the dude never goes down injured um you know, he missed what one game last year, and that was after he like basically impaled himself on the post. Uh, yeah, he is just uh, again can't say enough about him. I love him. He might actually be one of my he one of my next jerseys. Why, why is that funny? No, it's it's not it's fun. It's, it's great. It's my passion, Alex. Just <laughs> leave it be. Uh, no, he might be one of my next jerseys. Yeah. yeah. Um, just the 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 character. No, he's not a character. He has high character. You know, you, you phrase those things. It's funny if you say it differently, right? He's a character versus he has character. Um, Michael Boxall has just an incredibly admirable personality, leadership qualities. He's somebody who I really think is such 
an underrated gem for our team. And he has shown the last few games that he can play at an absurdly high level. He has cleared up so many mistakes on the team, which transitions us perfectly into Dan O's question. Assuming Debassi stays out, how bad does Chase have to be to lose the starting job, Alex? I think it's more about what DJ Taylor can offer at left back. If he truly is just going to be hopeless, um, okay, fine. I guess we don't have we don't have any other options. So I guess hopefully Chase just continues to do better um, and, you know, we'll, we'll hold on until Debassi gets back. Um, but if DJ Taylor can even be serviceable, I would love to see what he can offer. Um, you know, we don't know. Again, he almost came in um, for Colorado, which I'm assuming is, is when, you know, when Metinair came out. And for whatever reason, we ended up doing the, the Finley and then Dodgson switch. Um, but if, if he's even serviceable at left back, um, I would love to see him love to see him have a go. Because at this point, Chase really isn't offering something that I don't think he could replicate. What do you I think? I would agree with. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um for me personally, even as a, a Chase Gasper defender half the time, um, his Which is also pass- what Chase Gasper is, is a defender half the time. So, Hey, ho. Oh, that was brutal. Um, wow. That is just inconsiderate. That man is a family, Alex. Um, yeah, I think that that pass back to Tyler Miller in like the seventh minute of the Vancouver game for me was was my personal edge like if i'm a coach and i see that especially considering the fact that chase has just recently done that and it didn't end well um i would go ahead and and give him a break in the next game that would be my not to lose the starting job personally but to sit him for the next game um and then to see you know if dj taylor performs well you know then it's Chase's job to win back. He has to earn it back. So, um, you know, if it's me and Debassi's out, I would, for the next game, I would put DJ Taylor in at left back and see what happens. Um, I don't think that Heath will do that, but that's just what I would do. If you're asking me when will Heath officially, realistically pull the trigger... I think it would take two more games of, like, dramatic, dramatic errors, which, I don't know, Chase's form has been so up and down, I just, I don't know what what it would take, realistically. But, unless you have anything to add to that, Alex, I might move on to the next one here. We got a tricky one. Miller or St. Clair, who plays going into international break? And thoughts on the goalkeeper situation going forward? That's from Baxter Sarge. Alex, what do you think? I have Is it no Miller I- time? I have no idea. I have no idea. I think I think that Dane St. Clair should still be the starter. I think he is the better of the two. If for whatever reason you think whether or not it was Miller's, you know, directly because of Miller that we won, even if you just feel maybe you just kind of ride the the hot hand in quotations and, and maybe that helps everyone around Miller think that that was what finally did it. Um, maybe that's an argument. 
Um, I think that Miller is, I think that Dane St. Clair is the better option, but I don't necessarily think that means that's what Heath is going to go with. Um, and also, I think Miller is, or DSC is going to get called up for the Canadian national team at some point here, isn't he? So when he's gone, maybe that's what we're kind of getting ready for. I have no idea. I really don't. I was surprised to see him. I, I, I think I understood it, but um, now I have. I really don't have an idea what to expect. Yeah, we also had um, Falk Sr., Logan Falk, ask, did Miller bring much energy, much needed energy and support, or would we have been just fine with Dane and Nett? I think you and I are in the same boat. I don't think it's necessarily Miller that made the game-winning difference. I think Dane has faced more shots and has faced more situations that were just bad, like moments where he was pulled all the way you know, out of his box and far to one side, and then the player, you know, like think Seattle, right? Two of their goals were when he was pulled all the way to one direction, and then they just had a perfect pass across the box to a wide open person. You know, Miller never faced that. I don't think that's an insult to Miller or Dane. I think Miller did his job very well, and and if we ride with him, I'm fine with that. I think right now you got to go with the hot hand. So if he's the guy, then give Dane a little break, and maybe we'll see him. Maybe we won't. Um, I'm sure he will win his job back at some point. But you know, it's competition. It's not a bad thing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I don't have a, a, a definitive answer, and, and maybe that's what it ends up being. It's just, you know, Miller is 1-0 and for whatever reason, so um, you're not going to change him now. So, I don't know. I'm incredibly superstitious, so uh, he can't leave ever. He yeah. has to stay in the lineup forever. I'm, I'm only a little stitious, so I, I think I'm, I don't care if, if either one goes in. Um, we had another DSC Miller question from Jake Bjornstad, but he also asked, when Dotson is playing in the midfield, what do we do at left back? Um, and then also, is Trap really that good that he started every match so far? Question mark. I'll tackle the Dotson one. I think we are using Dotson... We are not using Dotson to the best of his abilities if we're playing him at fullback anymore. I think that's why we have Yuko Raitala. I think that's why we have DJ Taylor. I think that's why we have, eventually, a healthy Baki Debasi. So, in my opinion, one of Heath's big missteps was when, in the Colorado Rapids game, he put Ethan Finley on for Metonier, but then moved... Uh, Dotson to right back and had Ethan Finley at right wing. I I don't think Dotson should play fullback anymore at all, period. That's my opinion. I think he is exclusively an eight. Don't put him at any other position. I know we're using him on the wing sort of right now, but that's like break glass in case of emergency kind of scenario. Yeah, yeah, full stop. I don't put him on left back anymore. He is he is an eight or a six if you need it, um, and and even being out wide I think is is selling him short. I think when he's been his most successful on the right wing is when he's actually kind of playing more in the center. Um, it's what he it's what position he is, and we need to stop asking Dotson to like solve all of our issues. Um, in terms of Will Trap, he he's a good player. 
he really is. He he works hard. He does a lot of running, um, which I know like oh he tries hard, uh, but no he really is. I just think that what he offers, I I do wonder if if it's the most help to us right now. I feel like there were moments in last night's game, um, which I didn't get to watch back, but I feel like there were moments where he does a lot of running, but he's always kind of on the other side of someone. So he's just like running from one side of the field to the other, not really actually open. Um, that's that's kind of at his worst. At his best, he is, you know, he's a play starter um, in in a sense where he is kind of that that first step in in what is hopefully a buildup. Um, I'm I'm having a really hard time getting a read on what he offers the team. I really am, and I can't tell if it's. Um, if it's really useful or if it's just kind of a waste because he doesn't really offer anything effective. And for whatever reason, I've been having a really hard time putting my finger on it. I'm sorry you're having a hard time, Alex, and I'm, <laughs> I'm here for you if, Thank you if you need to talk about this. Um, I also think we are not in our ideal starting 11 yet, and I think a lot of the way that this engine works remains to be seen. So I'm not really going to make any judgments on, on really any of the players, except Brent Coleman. He can go kick rocks. But really, everybody else... Chase hasn't played super well either. But really, everybody else, I'm not going to make a... Well, Michael Boxall played really well, so he's been great. <laughs> but really, everybody else, Everyone else besides... But those guys... And Reynoso. Reynoso played really well. But besides those guys, and Ozzy actually, Ozzy too has played really good. Father Time himself, uh, he has found, you know, the the eternal fountain of youth. But besides those few guys, I'm not willing to really make big sweeping judgments on their effectiveness in this team. Right. And you're looking at me like I'm about to do one more, but I'm done. I promise I'm done. No, um, I, and I'm actually <laughs> thinking. I wonder if Ozzy's or if Traps start have more to do with the issue at left wing um, than they do with his his true offer, what he can truly offer at the, um, you know, at his position now. Because the way we're having to play right now, that means, like, you know, we need Dotson on the right wing because we need loot up top because that's going to then, you know, and all of that stuff cascades down and you really don't come up with a better option, um, I don't think. Because if you go back to what we typically play with, like a 4-2-3-1, and you put Ozzy and Dotson next to each other, which I think would be great. That leaves basically Finley on the field at this point, which I I would rather have Dotson at right wing than Finley at this point. Even if that means again, I don't think Will Trap has been bad. I just don't know if he really offers um, as much as I, I I hoped he would, or as much as I think he could, or as much as he could if it was a different situation or something. Um, so I'm, I'm interested to see how it unfolds. I'm certainly not like, oh, you know, Trap's out there again. But I do also watch him, and I'm like, is he actually doing anything, or is he just running a lot? I don't know. I have heard from, from people whose soccer opinions I respect. Um, the, so me, the, that's it. The, yeah, you. It's you. Um, but, you know, the other people. Um, that he has, has had a, a solid impact in, in a couple of the games. Um, I personally believe he would play very well next to Dotson. I think Dotson offers the energy and the the acceleration and the 
you know, wrecking ball, you know, bop all over the place, pinball kind of energy that, that we know from Dotson. And then also gets farther forward and more offensive, whereas Trap is very, you know, situational. He's calm, he's level-headed, he's going to make, you know, just very simple, not necessarily exciting or offensive decisions, but he's going to make, you know, little pressure releasing passes he's not an Aussie that will break up a big play but he will you know get the ball away from a dangerous spot and that's something that I respect about him Mm -hmm. we'll find out what happens um but I don't think we need to like make a decision on him right now and and worst case scenario right even if he's not the best player in the world or uh, an Aussie Alonzo replacement, which is ridiculous to think that he would be. Um, we have a solid bench player. We also have Ja'Cory Hayes. You know, we have you know a lot of midfield players who, if injury strikes, they can all come in and do a job very admirably. So I'm not super concerned about it. Um, I am concerned with Nick's question about Robin Lude uh, saying that his behind-the-back nutmeg was lucky. Uh, Alex, nothing Robin Lude does is lucky. It's it's pure, polite spite. He wants to embarrass you in front of your family. Yep. Yep, he is... His sauce is a family recipe. It is not something you get in the store. All right, this isn't Prego. This is your grandma's recipe that's handwritten on a card. It's too much sauce. And there's no way that was luck. I am half Italian, so know that I get the sauce, right? This is a barely legible, scribbled handwrite, you know, handwritten card. Stains. Uh, stains, right? But this sauce will knock your knock All the your ingredients sauce are just like obscure, like one glass of this and like half a can of that and a pinch of this no no they're not even real measuring yeah they're not real measuring uh uh you know numbers and and it's always stuff like the neck bone of a pig and the you know where do i find that where do i find that nana i don't know where that is do i just go to the butcher and say the neck bone of a pig you know boil it for eight hours yeah the sauce is not easy. easy but just like a great long uh, developing recipe for sauce, Robin Lude has taken a couple years to really show us what he offers. But without any jokes, without any exaggeration, what Robin Lude offers is a really quality 1v1 dribbler. I mean, that, that really is his ability. He will take people on in tight spaces. He's very clearly developed a chemistry with Reynoso. I mean, they, they definitely look for each other. Um, at different points in the game, and they know what they're trying to do. So I, I love that already. You know, your best player, Reynoso, is jiving with your, I don't know if we'd say Robin is our second best player, but he's definitely right now our second best offensive player. Um, mm-hmm. And and they know what they want to do with each other. They know where they want to move into space, and, and that's something you want to see. And once Unu and once Fragapane come in, you know, the sauce might get a little spicier. Yep. Just extra ingredients. That's all I got for today. I think. Uh, yeah, man. We got I think a game coming up. I think that's a good place to leave it. You know, we we had a midweek game. We have another one just uh, 
Saturday. Um, so, you know, keeping this one a little short, there's obviously a lot more we didn't really dive into. Um, you know, if you're out there, you know, on your fantasy grind, uh, hopefully you picked a couple uh, two-week game players who, who can, you know, get you good points on one of the weekends. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll see how Saturday goes. I think it's it's a must-win. It's got to be a must-win. I think, I think really all of these are at least you can't lose them for the next several months, it seems. Um, but I think we can do it. And I think if we can get through this next one, we'll have an, a break and we can get some guys healthy. Um, and then we have RSL and then another break. So um, it's nice to finally have a little breathing room after we get to this weekend. So got to get the job done and, and come over with three points, I think. Yeah, I would agree. There's really no um, there's no excuses. It's like Ozzy Alonso had said allegedly uh, you know, before the last game that he said, we have two options. It's win or win. That's it. That's all we got. So I'm on board. It's win or win. Let's get it done. Absolutely. Uh, until next week, go Loons. Go Loons. Go Loons.